week's episode is brought to you by the trade deadline. We have a trade to announce. And for those of you in the building, you'll be particularly interested. Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that, man, Bulls Gilmore? And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Seth House, and you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for February 23rd, 2016. Coming up on the show, better play, standings, points, and trades around the league, including one from your avalanche. But before we play the whoosh, let's meet the disembodied voices for the week. Coming up on the left, you can see Earl 06. What's up, Earl? Good evening. And just ahead on your right, he's going to join us a little bit later, is Ryan Murphy, but he was stuck in traffic, so we've started without him, but he'll be here any minute. In the meantime, I guess there's nothing left to do but just play the whoosh. Thanks for joining us a day late this week, a Sunday night game during a light week before the stadium series game and the trade deadline kind of threw us off kilter, but we're here and we're queasy at the thought of that first period against Montreal on Wednesday. But in spite of that, Colorado took 14 shots on goal in the second and ended up winning 3-2. Eric Johnson shorthanded and Jerome again the twice once on the power play lift Waz team over Waz old team. Or to hear Terry Ann's thoughts on it, PK Subban lost the game blowing an edge. And no, I will not be singing my pop parodies of Joe Sackett calling Mark Bergevin to acquire PK, despite literally no one asking for it. On Saturday, Colorado hit the road and played one of their better games in the last month, although, to be fair, it was against Edmonton. John Mitchell and Tyson Berry twice put the Avs over the Oilers on Hockey Night in Canada, 3-2. Maybe most importantly, the Duchesne and McKinnon lines completely handered Connor McJesus, who did assist on Pouliot's goal with an extra attacker, but otherwise he mustered a single shot all game. Uh... Nice. Then on Sunday, Colorado headed to Vancouver for a schedule loss with the Canucks, and they got straight up Ryan Millard. 5-1 your score in this one, despite Colorado outshooting the Canucks easily. Uh, the four goals Varlamov went in were mostly, in some way, ridiculous. Uh, not at all the game the scoreboard would indicate that it was. So, correct me if you remember something differently than I do. We have Adam Cracknell left all alone in front because... Why? And also, it's Adam Cracknell. And he shoots it straight up backhanded. Okay. Nice one. And we have Aginla standing at the point doing, or at the post doing nothing while Grigorenko ignores the goal scorer in the slot. Ooh. Okay. And then we have Dink, Donk, Dink, Boink somehow bounces over shoulders into the goal. Okay. And then we have an odd man rush which was maybe savable. But still is an odd man rush. So what are you going to do? Now, that was <clears throat> that was tough to watch. Um, you know, there was a lot of good in that game. There was, you know, obviously a bunch of bad as well. But I, I think I agree with the, the optimists out there that say that, you know, going forward, if, if we can play like that more often than we don't, it's going to benefit us. This was one of the better Avalanche games in the month of February. It's just unfortunate that it didn't show up on the board for him. We hit, what, two, three, four posts or something like that, and Ryan Miller had two, three, four extra arms. It was just just not right. Save. I mean, the toe save he made. I mean, um, 
you know, he, he just made a bunch of incredible saves and, and hats off to him. You know, he doesn't play like that that often. And, Not anymore. Yeah. So. Something that got overlooked, I thought, was Calvin Pickard's performance against the Oilers. Um, it wasn't nearly as flashy as Ryan Miller was on Sunday because his positioning was better. Yeah. Pickard was on lock. Yeah, he played very well against the Oilers. Um, you know, again, that's great to see. And, and now with, with Barra on a, a conditioning assignment and, and – you know, I don't know if that's a competition or not. I, you know, I, I guess we have about a week to find out if there's going to be a move made with, hopefully not Calvin, but you know, maybe one of them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when when Bear is done with his conditioning assignment, whether he's going to return to the Avalanche or whether they're going to put him through waivers and, and keep him in San Antonio. Straight up I'd for like, PK. <laughs> straight up for PK, but. You know, I'd given my druthers. I'd I'd rather keep Calvin in Colorado and and keep uh, Barra down in the AHL. Barra was fantastic against the Monsters on Saturday night. I mean, he saved thirty nine out of forty. Um, you know, he he really won that game, and it, it's it's been really nice because I mean, ever since Calvin's been gone late in December, you know, they've they've had Roman Will and 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 rookie Spencer Martin, and and it's just. You know the the talent level's not there, or the experience level's not there. Whatever it is, it it's just a uh, it's the difference of maybe one or two saves a game, or maybe one or two saves over a week. But having a, a guy with some experience would really help them. You, you know, said and, against the monsters, and now I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> the last team that the Rampage played in the Western Conference for the first time this year was the Lake Erie Monsters, which they played twice over the weekend in Cleveland. Are the Monsters any good at all? <clears throat> they're quite good, actually. Um, they're in third place in the Midwest Division. Um, they're, they're a pretty good team, you know, and, and unlike most of the other Midwest teams, which are very grindy, cloggy type teams they have some speed and, and some skill and they're you know they're, they're fun to watch so um it was it was actually a really good matchup the whole weekend i mean it, both games went to overtime and and saturday night's game went to a shootout seven rounds that's interesting given how garbo the nhl team is for for lake erie yeah um no i was i you know i it was pretty interesting watching them because, you know, they, they definitely have some guys that aren't, aren't there yet, but, you know, you have to wonder, I mean, I don't, I don't watch the jackets enough to really, you know, know their flaws point by point, but, um, you know, they, they've got some good defensemen down there. They've got some good forwards for sure. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if that helps them next year. I think when you're in the bottom of the league, your flaws are basically everything. Yeah. Could be wrong, but that's kind of how I think it works. Well, it, you know, I think they've used four goalies. Um, I mean, the Avs have two, although Roman played one period in basically an injury relief role. Yeah. But they, they've used four goalies. They've had, you know, I was looking at this a couple days ago. They've had 20 starts outside of their starter and backup. Huh. 
and that's never good. No. <laughs> a lot of teams don't want 20 starts outside of their starter if they can help it. Yeah, I mean, most teams don't. I mean, you look at you know something, something like the Devils. I think the Devils' backup has like eight starts. Okay, um, let's play a game. <laughs> it's called, Who is the Devil's Backup? Uh, <laughs> guy F. Guy, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Roster player, I guess. <laughs> Not even sure he travels with the team. Roster player was the name of the dude in NBA 98 or something like that that took Michael Jordan's spot. <laughs> Because adding Michael Jordan would be way too OP, I think. Kincaid. <laughs> Kincaid is their backup. Yeah. Sounds like a fine goalie. <laughs> K. Kincaid. I've had to click on it to see what his name is because I thought it was probably Curtis. And it's not. It's actually Keith. It's funny. I actually I, I questioned our one of our counterparts over at the, the Devil's site. I guess it's uh, all for the jersey on SBN. Um, what because happened to... Oh, never mind. Because Claude Noel, who is a scout for the Devils, has been following both the Avs and the Rampage around for the past couple of weeks. Huh. And, you know, I was just trying to get a handle on why. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. I, you know, if you're going to be one of, say, four pro scouts, you know, why are you following the Avs around watching a lot of their games and, and, and their AHL team? And... They didn't seem to know either, but you know they're like, well, we need you know we need forwards in our development system. That's what they're probably looking at. But I mean, I doubt any of our pro scouts follow a team around, you know, watching seven or eight games a month. I don't same. understand pro scouts following teams in 2016. I just don't yeah. get it. I mean, I I can see you know. If it if a team says something like, um, "Would you guys like X player?" and they're like, "Sure," who might we want from you guys? And and you know maybe you don't know the 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 system that well, and you want to look at a few games live after you've scouted them on on tape for a while. Um, but yeah, it just it it seems odd. <clears throat> it's a topic that came up. Uh within the last couple of days actually because when actually it was no it wasn't within the last couple of days it was last night when uh when radam verbata scored mm -hmm. apparently the entire like every scout in the press box began taking detailed notes <laughs> as really? if he's an unknown quantity that's never been seen in the league before <laughs> and yeah and so let's go into the box score and let's see who assisted on that just to make sure we're not talking out of our ass here. The assists came from Henrik Sedin, who uh, most of us have heard of. Yeah. And Ben Hutton. Who had a wonderful turnover last night, too. I've not... I actually don't know much about Ben Hutton, but it was his 16th assist. Good for him. Henrik Sedin went on to get assists 35 and 36 last night. Henrik Sedin had one, two, three, four assists. That's pretty good. What a dick. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he was feeling it last night. Like, like we were saying about the, the diving motion he made after Landy fell down. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do that unless you're confident. Right. You, yeah. That, that's, a, that's an in-the-groove, Phil. 
But that is interesting that a bunch of scouts would be focused on Verbata. I mean, I don't know. I guess he's been trade bait for several years now. But, yeah, I mean, if you don't know his game inside and out, you shouldn't be a pro scout. Exactly. But, yeah. I mean, I got to think that maybe it wasn't Verbata they were taking the notes on. Yeah. Maybe it was somebody else in the play. Maybe it was an Avs player completely beefing it. I don't know. Was, was Johnny Mitchell involved in the play? No idea. <laughs> I'm not going to go find the event summary and scroll through it to find out who the NHL thinks was on the ice at the time. We're going to trade him for a defenseman, I heard. PK? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> PK or bust, damn it. Um, so, Mitchell's had a... My dog is scratching his neck and rattling his collar for you. Mitchell's had a rough stretch. It was nice to see him score the other night because it's it's going to take you know a nice easy setup like that for him to get out of a, a, whatever funk he's in. Yeah, and uh, boy did he get it. That was a Como has this thing where he will just kind of disappear, play pretty for a few games, and then all of a sudden he does this three sixty no scope of a pass from a corner right to a wide open stick who's just like tap in. Yeah. That, I mean, that was a fantastic game for him, too. I mean, um, you know, I know he's up and down and people hate him in the top six, but um, I, I really like that signing. I, I think that he he had something that the Avs hadn't had for a, a, quite a few years. And that's someone that, you know, he's not your go-to scorer or anything like that, but he can score. And he can play some defense and PK. I mean, it's not like, you know, we, we've had such a separation between scorers that can't do much else, you know, PA, and PKers who can't do much else, like Cleesh. Yeah. But know, it's I mean, nice to get the whole package there. He's up and down. And everybody's yeah. up and down. Yeah. Uh, he seems to have the up and down extremes that Jamie McGinn has, which is either he's playing for himself great or for himself, miserable. <laughs> and there's no consistent player. There's no such thing. No. Alex Ovechkin comes close. Um, yep. But that's about as close as it gets to consistent in the NHL. And uh, you expect anybody to go way up and way down. Honestly. Well, I, you know... I, with the focus on stats so heavy now, it's it's sort of like, you know, when when the when the weatherman says that just because it didn't rain point zero eight of an inch that day, you're behind for the year kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it, you just can't look at it like that. You really you have to take statistics in a way that, you know, it's it's a broad thing. Um. You know, to, to go back to the rampage, the last week they played Charlotte for two games and just killed them, and then they went and went to California, and got smoked twice in a row. And I was like, oh man, you know, it's like they shot one point eight percent on the weekend and yada yada yada. And then I looked at the Charlotte games; they shot twenty percent. Yeah. So it it evened out to nine point five, and I was like, well, that's where you are. <laughs> yeah. You won two, you lost two, and you shot 9.5 over that. So that's that evens out. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know how we ended up on that from pro scouting in 2016. But anyway. That's fun to ramble. Um, so 
I felt like against Edmonton, the good Tyson Berry came back for sure. He sure did. Uh, uh. He was ridiculous. And before that, he had been not the good ridiculous. So yeah. happy to see him have a really, really solid game. <clears throat> and uh, him having two goals was not why you notice him having a solid game. Those were icing. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, those goals came from what he was doing as far as moving the puck. I mean, it, it seemed like every time he was out on the ice, I saw him just hitting that top gear crossing our blue line, flying through the neutral zone and bringing it in. And, and when he's doing that, I mean, he's just amazing to watch. And you're just like, I can't believe we'd ever even think about getting rid of this guy. Uh, We're going to give him $6 million. Yeah, he's just, take my money. He, um, he's got more points than Landeskog now. Yeah. He's got, he's the fourth on the team on scoring with 40 points in 58 games. Because he's brutal and vicious and got suspended for his headshot. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, I personally don't, you know, I, I don't think of all 40 points. You know, I, I, if you ask me how many points he had, I'd say, oh, he's got to have by, like 30 by now. But, you know, that, that's just kind of the way he is because aside from having a night like the other night when he, when he scores two fantastic goals... Uh, sometimes you just don't notice when he gets a key assist. Right. And, you know, that that's, you know, that that's kind of a key component of what he is and, and why it's a little easier to stomach paying up for him at the end of the year. Right. Because, I mean, a lot of times you'll notice him just getting turnstiled or, you know, not boxing out in front of the net or something like that. And you're just like, oh, this guy's just brutal. And, <laughs> you know. Again, you, you take the whole package, and it's, you know, he's a special player. You know, I mean, he's not Carlson, but, you know, who is? And, and I'm glad he's not, because then he'd want $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's less than fun to watch the puck get in the corner on him, and then you go, okay, well, there's Badberry. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, yeah, when you're, when you're a, a partner of Tyson Berry on defense or when you're out there as a forward with him, I mean, you know, you kind of have to be aware of that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I mean, nobody's perfect and everyone has their shortcomings. So, you know, it's just something you, you allow for and some lines can do it. I, I don't like seeing him out there with the fourth line guys when the fourth line is, is at its worst <clears throat> sort of the, the Wagner Martinson, type fourth um what has happened to martinson i don't know i i i wish i knew i i I don't know why he can't play the way he did for the that stretch um i checked on the ahl site he hasn't been sent down today but you got to figure someone will as soon as matthias shows up um yeah spoiler abs traded for sean matthias i'm trying to kind of hold off until uh until ryan can can join us before we get into that. Where's Ron? That did happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I think a part of it was he was playing on the higher lines and benefiting from much better players making up for his shortcomings. 
And it seems like ever since he went back to the fourth, he's he's just not really been that great. Um, you know, I think it would it would have been nice if when they moved Landy up uh, to go back with Mac. You know, and they tried him with with Blake and and Carl. Um, you know, I, I think it would have been nice if if he had had a few games to get back with those guys because I think he can be productive with those guys. Uh, but but what he can't be productive is with guys like you know Wagner and, and Cody. You know, it's just he can't. He, he's very complimentary. Yeah, that's because he doesn't accomplish just a whole lot individually. Um, yeah. Joining us now, I hope, is Ryan Murphy. I am. Hello. <laughs> Sorry for my uh, tardiness. Uh, traffic didn't cooperate today. And that's why we don't typically record on weekday evenings. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm here. I'm sure I'm going to repeat everything you guys have already said, so uh, bear with me. Well, we had actually just sort of hinted at Colorado adding a player, um, and I immediately steered away from it saying, now hang on, let's wait for Ryan to get here to talk about this. So you were like... Five seconds late, so it's all good. Um, <clears throat> Sunday afternoon, word came out that Colorado had traded um, San, San Antonio's Colin Smith and a fourth-rounder to Toronto in exchange for Sean Mathias. Um, thoughts? Who do you think won the trade? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to decide right now before he plays, right? Would you would you say the Avalanche won the trade? <laughs> Reggae well, horns. Until Should the we first twenty minutes. Right now. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think this is a, a really nice deadline move for the Avalanche because I don't want them forfeiting their future for this year type moves. And as uh, much as San Antonio hates losing Colin Smith for the year, uh, I think the Avalanche organization can manage. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. And then a fourth is it is a pick, but it's also a fourth. Right, you know, and a fourth one, if a fourth round pick makes the NHL, you're doing a great job drafting. Otherwise, if you can get an NHL player out of a fourth round pick, you're doing a good job too. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, a guy like Sean Mathias, I think, definitely improves the Avalanche lineup while he's here. Uh, he is on an expiring deal, I believe. Correct. So he's a uh, Definitely going to help shore up the NHL forward depth as the Cedar Pollen starts to take my voice. I can feel it. Uh, he will definitely shore up the NHL forward depth. It's an area that we're hurting. We were just talking about Martinson, just talking about Wagner. Um, Matthias will help push some of those guys up to the press box, if not all the way back to San Antonio, and it will free up guys like Landeskog to definitely be able to play Top minutes. Um, Which is what you want this team doing right now. I mean, yes. you've got 20 games left, and again, you don't want to give a big commitment, but Sean Mathias is an NHL player, and there's no disputing that. I mean, he can contribute uh, in a penalty kill role at minimum, if not a scoring role, you know, in the bottom lines. Does Earl disagree with any of this? Not at all. And, and I, you know, well, it would be nice to get a longer term player for, for something like that. PK Subban. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think with the deal he's on, it's actually nice that it is expiring. Cause I, I think it is a, a little heavy. Um, 
you know, there, there were rumors that the Avs were interested in him last summer, and you know, maybe they got outbid for, and maybe you know, they they were looking for something, you know, and maybe in the the two million range, or maybe even slightly less. And you know, I I, I think from Waz's comments that he made before the the game last night on radio, um, he, he's pretty excited to have him in the lineup. I, I you know, I, I think he was really looking for a left wing to play with, with Carl and Blake to, you know, play a very big shutdown role and, you know, also be able to, to provide some offense. The operative word being big. Yeah. He, he, that was the first thing he said too. He mentioned it a couple of times, uh, six foot four, 225 pounds, 230 pounds. I mean, that's a uh, Patrick Waugh size player. Is it not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's about the same size as Martinson, but he can fly too. I mean, he's a good skater skater and puck skills you can shoot just a little bit yeah and obviously the 18 goals he scored for vancouver last year was probably you know a little bit of an outlier but you know it just shows that you know if the chips are down he could put a goal in there for you if you you know if you give him the shot which has not been martinson for two months now and nope. uh you've got to have a little bit on your third line doesn't have to be a whole lot but you have to have a little bit and other good NHL teams have good third lines, and the Avalanche have not had a scoring element to their third line in a little while. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. <laughs> the The Avalanche secondary scoring has been all they've been getting lately, and it's barely been enough to squeak by with a couple of wins. Um, luckily, they've been they've had that secondary scoring coming in, but we need to see more from top six forwards soon. Um, yep, but anyway, I'm not sure if that happens necessarily with the line configuration, but uh, I, I get through two games. Have we talked about that yet? We no, no. Let's, uh, let, let's hear your beef with the line configuration. It's not a beef yet, actually, because I, I let's I hear your Turkey meat. with the line configuration. <laughs> Only white meat. Um, obviously we've spread out a lot of, we've spread out into pairs again, you know, where we've had two strong guys on each of the three lines, first three lines and a weaker guy on <laughs> one of the wings on either side. And the Edmonton game, I, I really liked. And beside the result of the game last night, I, I also liked the way they were playing there as well. Uh, Carl Soderberg on the third line is a good third line. It's an expensive yeah, I, third line, but it's a damn good one. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think Waugh's biggest challenge all year has been finding some way to use Aginla and Tangay that you know doesn't hurt the team, and at the same time can put them in a, a situation where the few things that they still do well uh, can be used. And and I I think that um, you know, using Tangay with Mac, obviously Mac likes playing with him. He said so a bunch of times. <clears throat> you know, I I still think that's a drag on that line. But you know, when you have Mac and Landy and then Tan Tangay, you know, I I think that can work in some ways. And you know, again, I don't like Aginla on on Dutch's right wing, but you know, he seems to be thriving there right now. So there's not much you can say about that. Yeah, he's gonna score goals. Then you know, we even for the time being. I think the next step in this progression is Patrick Waugh figuring out how to take these three lines 
and combine them into two for the third period when they need it. And I think that's what's going to take them the next level. That would be definitely a good move to see. Um, just to finish up on the Sean Matthias, on Sean Matthias deal, I keep calling it Matthias. I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, I don't think it's a big deal for all the uh, all the good sides it has for Colorado, all the good sides it has for Toronto. Um, I don't think it's a big deal for either side. I mean, the Avalanche get a bottom sixer for the rest of the season. That okay, that's good, I guess. Um, Toronto get worse now, and they get a, an addition for their Marlies for their Calder Cup run, plus a pick that's pretty low. Uh, okay, cool, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of an ass sort of deal, but positives both ways. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'd call it a win-win. I mean, I you know. We've done okay with our fourth round picks, I think, over the past couple of years. I, you know, I like I like Gerritsen. I don't know if Miranov's ever going to come over the pond, but you know, it, I think that was a good use of a fourth round pick. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, maybe maybe Nick Magyar and and Big Al Papen maybe aren't that great fourth round picks, but you know. You get two guys that look like they're okay picks and two guys that look like they're not so okay. I mean, that's about where you're at with a fourth-round pick. Yeah, most streets our point is that those are the types of players that are very borderline to ever make the NHL. And if you can even get 20 games out of an NHL player for a fourth-round pick, it's probably worth it for you. Yeah. And uh, also look at this as an extended tryout. You know, the Avs experiment last year with trading for Carl Soderberg before signing him to essentially a free agency deal. Uh, they might be doing the same thing here if they like the player. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they liked him on paper, obviously. I mean, you know, again, with the size, I mean, it, it just, I'm sure Patrick's just like, oh, boy, you know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> just giddy. Yeah, and, and he's not been bad for Toronto. I mean, Toronto, for all their results, have not been that bad, and he hasn't been that bad either. But not the same type of player he was in Vancouver, and even in Florida before that, um, he was a goal scorer, you know, at on a bottom six role, um, and he hasn't been for Toronto. I mean, I, I'm not sure what his usage has been. I haven't seen a lot of games, but uh, it's been a different type of player. Yeah, I wonder, if, you know, you know, I, I don't worship at the Temple of Babcock or anything, but it, you know, if playing for Mike Babcock for 60 games is, is turned him into a more complete player, I mean, you know, that's a bonus for sure. So we're hoping that he will join the roster on Wednesday. It's like Colorado's next game against San Jose. Uh, lots of tie-ins to our next segment coming up there. Yeah, I took a day <laughs> off today. Uh-huh. Needed it. I'm sure Needed they did. Back-to-back is rough. Sometimes uh, it does take a little while for guys to move from one country to the other just because of various visa issues. Um, we know how the U.S. are about refugees from disastrous situations, so it might take a while to get a maple leaf in. <laughs> As a few Syrians in line first, right? Yeah, you may have to wait. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> Oh, but I don't maybe. think the price is bad compared to the Leafs other move. Yeah. Roman Polak and Nick Spalling to San Jose. Two guys that are kind of not great. 
Um, <laughs> kind of not great. Uh, for second round picks, not this year, 2017 and 2018. Well, just on, just to make a note on that, I think that's actually smart on the Leafs part because uh, if you add in the Avalanche's fourth rounder, they have 12 picks this year. Right. But, I mean, that's San Jose betting on themselves to be improving as their core continues to, you know, age. Right. Well, I mean, it, it might have been Toronto insisting on that. Um, but San Jose doesn't have to take that bet. No, I know. But, you know, the deal got done, so. Yeah. But, but you know, if, if you have 12 picks, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't want more than eight or nine picks in a draft. Huh. Just because of the tempo you have to sign guys at. And, you know, even though if you pick, you can pick some European players and college players and have the four years instead of two. You still have to, you know, make a decision on them eventually. So, um, you know, I, I think it's smart to spread it out. You know, if if you can have, you know, four or five picks in the top two rounds for three years in a row, you know, that's the meat and potatoes. All the the seven picks that Toronto has this year outside of the top three rounds, I mean, that those are just lottery tickets. I mean, you know. It's probably more work than it needs to be to draft and maintain seven guys in the high rounds for two years. But yep. Yep, maybe they'll hit on something, you know, a Datsuk. Mm. Doubt it. But. Yeah, and, you know, the second round pick is uh, the market inefficiency in every professional sports league right now. Um, it's very popular to stack the second round pick because they're not expensive. And they're still top talent guys. Uh you know, not borderline top talent guys, but there's gems in the second round every year. Yeah. I mean, I, I like second round picks a lot. I mean, you got Pickard, you got Bigra, uh, yeah. you know, you might throw Comfer in there. We didn't make that pick, but you know, I think you can pick up some really good players there. I mean, San Jose obviously doesn't value them that high because they traded, you know, two, two of them for, to us. And then two of them to Toronto, and they basically got one guy and a couple of free agents that are (laughs) different situation, though. Uh, Yeah, they've got to win there. And then speaking of market inefficiencies, uh, the piece that really made this deal happen is Toronto takes on Rafi Torres. Oh, but they don't. And then they instantly return him back to San Jose's AHL team. So they eat his salary for San Jose. Without it, t- taking up a retained salary spot, this is so much fun. I am really interested in seeing how well this works for Toronto because they're using every inch of their salary cap in a year in which they don't expect to compete. And there's not a lot of precedence for this in the NHL. I mean, there is in other professional sports leagues, but I have not seen a lot of this here. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it, it's fun to see them. It, it, it's actually really educational to see how they're doing it because you know it, it's it's great that they're doing it but they're also showing other people how to avoid these things too yeah it, it's fascinating to me because it's just like what are the different ways that we can work our way in to use assets that maybe aren't exactly assets that other teams might have like we're the toronto maple leafs what do we have fucking money so how can we use that? Well, we can't go over the cap, and we can only retain so much salary. We'll take your player, pay him, and give him back to you. Right. 
Or how about this? We'll we'll trade him to you, but we'll keep him for our our playoff run for our minor league team anyway. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the Fratton deal was awesome too. Yeah. Because what are the Senators going to do with Matt Fratton right now? Yeah. Binghamton's terrible. Might want him later, but not right now. <coughs> so it's it's been just absolutely riveting to me. This is the most this is the most interesting trade deadline we've had in years. Because someone is doing something new. Brand new. I mean, compare that directly to like the Coyotes, another, you know, a cap minimum type team right now. They're, they haven't made those picks. They weren't signing guys to one year deals just to trade them off the deadline for fourth round picks. Uh, you know, they've been sitting on their money. I mean, look at Columbus. They say, we can't play this. We can't pay this guy not to play. We'll take literally anything. And Toronto comes calling with David Clarkson. We can't pay this guy to play. But we'll take your problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's insured. <laughs> Different market, too. I mean, especially in America, we forget Toronto is the hockey market. And uh, they're making their money either way. And uh, the cap means nothing to them as far as their budget goes. Uh, compared to Columbus, it's just a different situation. Oh, yeah. Um, so I also like uh, the fact that it's... It, it seems like he's doing a deal a day. It seems yeah. like he's, he's got a tempo going that pretty much starting yesterday with our deal, yep. um, he, he's going to do something every day or try to between now and the deadline. And it's it's fun. It's it's like a 12 days of Christmas for hockey. Nuts. It is. Yeah. Well, who's tomorrow? Parento? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Maybe so. Um, and then this just came down a little bit before we started recording. Um the Vancouver Canucks traded Hunter Shinkarik, which yep. I think is how you say that. It and is. that is a deal straight up to Calgary for Marcus Granlund, who not is Michael. not Michael Granlund. Oh. <laughs> Got confused there for a minute. <laughs> and is that his brother? Maybe. I think it is. <clears throat> he is if you have you have Shooty and Passy Sedin. <laughs> well, you have good and bad Granlund. Yeah. This is bad this is- Granlund. This is the Cal O'Reilly of Grandlands? Yes. Okay. This is the Shet Pickard of Grandlands. <laughs> well, good for Rock those guys. <laughs> Congratulations, Vancouver. You're going to compete. Yeah, that, that deal was a head-scratcher. Um, the latest I, I, episode I, of What is Jim Benning Doing? <laughs> hey, man, they're only eight points out of the wild card. Go for it. They I were just even with the wild last week yeah well uh wild have gone on a bit of a run which is terrifying Let's not talk about this <laughs> good um, i have to get in the fetal position to do it first <laughs> it's, I, I, I refuse to just admit the existence of that um, <laughs> well i don't even know what happened to chicago in that outdoor game like good yeah. god yeah, it makes you wonder how what it changes in the regular game dynamic because they did not come to play. No, and um, they they do this a lot at this time of year. Yeah, yep, they're the San Antonio Spurs of hockey. You know, they're just resting players at this point, probably. Yeah, you know, so seventy five percent exertion. I'm seeing a lot of reaction to the reaction to this trade. That's like, you know, hang on a minute, you guys are kind of overrating Shankarik. Um, like he is by no means a sure bet NHL stud or anything here. Yeah. The, the thing, I, I, 
if you're looking at the contracts, though, I mean, I think Shankarik is either a first or a second year pro. And so either still has one or two years left on his ELC. And not Michael is <laughs> at the end of his. So, you know, I don't know how you, you want to value that, but you have contract? to guess if there's more upside with one of them, it would be with the younger fella. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think there's been a little bit of dancing on this trade that's like, ah, you traded an NHLer for an AHLer straight up, ah, And that's what people are kind of referring to as they react to the reaction. Yeah. Um, of course, there's always going to be that vocal people on the internet just being like, you can't like thing. thing I mean, bad. in all likelihood, this is a trade that will be long forgotten by six months from now. Probably by six days from now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a deal that we're going to look back in a couple of years and be like, hey, you remember that time the LA uh, Kings traded a first round pick for six weeks of Andre Sequeira? Mm-hmm. But it, it does go to bolster the opinion that the, the Canucks are idiots. <laughs> Um, you know, it's just, I mean, there's no, there's no time or point in going over all the trades they've made over the past five years, but I mean, you have, you just don't see much of a plan there, really. It starts. That's genius. I can't figure it out. (laughs) Crazy like a fox. Yeah, exactly. It starts with the Luongo debacle and it gets worse from there. I know. Clouds fighting Cassian last night. I had no idea he was playing on that team. And I'm going back. Oh, that Cassian deal just killed me that day. It didn't make any sense then. It still doesn't. That team is so circular in their methodology. That, they, they could, they could, I mean, I, I know Miller played fantastic for them last night, but, you know, they could have Schneider, yeah. who's one of the best in the league. Younger. <laughs> Younger. So was that Cassian deal the season that Boston destroyed Vancouver? Like, destroyed their team completely? Much like they then destroyed the Sabres, too? I think it was... Gosh, I'm forgetting. I'm trying to remember. It was definitely after it. I don't don't remember how much after it. Because by... The the fashion that they won Game 7 of the final destroyed the Vancouver Canucks. Just like running over Ryan Miller destroyed the Buffalo Sabres. (laughs) Blow it up. It's over. It's done. So, thank goodness they're not doing that anymore. Well, I'm blanking on the guy that they traded him for, though. Or uh, traded, Cody Hodgson. Cody yeah, well, at, at, at now it makes sense because neither of those guys have done anything. But, uh, you know, at the time, Hodgson looked like he was an up-and-coming young center in the league, and that just made zero, zero sense. Eh, maybe Gillis guy, knew something we didn't on that one. Yeah, probably. I, mean, I don't. Do, I don't know that do Jim Betting knows a whole lot that we don't on this one. Maybe he, he does. I don't know. He might. <laughs> Never going to rule it out. But that would be yet another move where you look at the Canucks and just go, "What are you doing?" Well, I do remember when Shinkarik was drafted that people are like, "Oh my God, I can't believe he fell so far." Yeah. And there were rumors that you know he has a bit of an attitude or something like that, and that that was one of the reasons maybe he didn't interview well or something like that. Um, you know, maybe that's translated into his play now. I, you know, I, they're in the other league, so I don't get to watch them in the AHL, but you know, Mm, optically it doesn't look good, but maybe there are reasons. 
And maybe Shinkarak never turns into anything, and this trade is lost to the annals of hockey history to be later brought up for a giggle by Sean McIndoe. It's just another Carl Stollery for Freddie Hamilton deal. <laughs> so, um, Chris Begross had him a bit of a week. Yeah. Better week. He was, well, he was slightly disastrous against the Canadians, but so were a lot of players. Um, uh, I mean, the, been... the nice thing. Go ahead, Ryan. No, no, go ahead, you. I mean, the nice thing was that he bounced back. Yes. Because with a fellow this young, you know, you worry that you have a game or a stretch of games like he's had kind of leading up to that where he's been either, you know, not so great or just kind of peripheral. And he's he's he got himself back into the play uh, big time and, you know, kind of showed what he's going to be once he fills out and gets some experience. So... What I was going to say is that it's not like he's getting uh, saddled with a veteran defenseman who's, you know, watching his back for him. He's playing with Andrew Bonnerchuk right now, which is not an easy assignment for our best defenseman. So I, I think he's doing it under uh, difficult circumstances and performing better this week. I think he was plus seven last night, five on five. And wow. uh, I think that led defenseman. Don't know how much his usage and, ma and matchups play into that last night um, because it's really, really hard for me to track that stuff now because it doesn't happen in real time. Thanks, uh. NHL.TV. <laughs> Thanks, NewNHL.com. But he only had, I, I believe, six starts last night. Uh, I think three offensive starts and three defensive starts, five on five, if I remember correctly. So uh -huh. he's not even getting put on the ice for face-offs very often. You know, they're pretty much relieving the top four whenever they get a chance, but that's about it. It's interesting usage. Well, I've been trying really hard to uh, get particular matchups of these last couple of road games. Like, hard enough that the CBC broadcast notices, boy, it's it's mid in the midway through the first period, and boy, Patrick Wall is making sure that the McKinnon-Landeskog line is on the ice when McDavid comes over the boards. Yep. Like it won't be their turn in the rotation. They will not be getting ready to stand up, and they will hop over. <laughs> One thing I find interesting, though, is they put Chucky and Bigger out a lot with the fourth line. Chucky? Which... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm going with it. <laughs> That's how I list them in the lineups every night. But um... It's better than Badnar Chuck, I guess. Yeah. But they tend, when I notice them on the ice, a lot of times it's because they're trapped in there with the fourth. But um, yeah. They get up yeah. ice pretty well when they get enough open space with the puck. Well, I mean, you don't have the forward support, so it's just, you know, it's like chucking the puck at the garage door. Well, those two had a shift against Montreal where they got pinned, like pinned hard. And B. Graw would move the puck to a teammate who would then lose it. And then it would come back in to a teammate who would throw it out of the zone directly to Andre Markov, who brings it back in to Bigraw, who gives it to a teammate who loses it. Eventually, Bigraw makes the breakout happen. That was like a minute and a half, two minute shift. I remember that. It was endless. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I realize that's kind of what you want to do is you just want to put your fourth and your, your third pair out there to eat up some time every once in a while. 
Um, Not in that zone. But it, it just, I, I, I question, I mean, you know, obviously you're not going to put Chucky and Beagar out there with, you know, the Deshane line or with the McKinnon line if you can help it too much. Um, well, that to be Tyson Berry. Right. Yeah. All of the Ozone face-offs, all of them. You know, I, I think, let, let's say they put the third pair out with the, the new Soderberg line, as we're imagining it with Matthias. You know, I, I think that's a line and a pair combination that you're going to be able to, you know, get the puck out and have competent forwards to be able to support those two. Especially if your third pairing is what it should be, which is Chris Brigaud and Zach Redmond. Yeah. Yeah, right now. Um, he's not getting the look. Um, I, I wish it was because he was getting traded right now for something useful, but <laughs> it turned out that's going to be the case either. I mean, if if the team was trying to do a pump and dump on him, he'd be in the lineup. I don't think Redmond's getting moved. He's not. And I, I think he probably should have been because I think he's a useful piece as seventh defenseman for a competing team. I think they've actually tried to move Redmond and there's not much interest. That's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah, that's probably the truth. Just anytime yeah. I get asked to do one of these podcasts or something for another blog, everybody loves Zach Redmond. I think he's going to be signed pretty quickly in free agency this year, this offseason. Well, I mean, I, all right, if you're Joe Sackick, if someone's offering, you know, a sixth, you know, it, right. Having Redmond as a backup, as a seventh defenseman, is probably more valuable than better that sixth having hit. a sixth. Yeah, you're right. I, I think he was probably holding out for a fourth, and no one was offering one. And then he's just like, "Well, we're just going to keep him." Then I mean, we'll twenty games of Zach Redmond is worth more than than a, a, a six round pick. Yep. Yeah. Even I'm if it's Zach not- Redmond in the nacho box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still don't know why we're watching Andrew Bodderchuk instead of uh, Nikita Zadorov, for instance. But uh, you know, I'm kind of lost on that this year. It cannot well, possibly be trying to move Bodnarchuk because you wouldn't be playing him on the bottom pair with a rookie. Yeah, that makes no sense. And that's why you're not. That's why Zadorov is in San Antonio is because they're not going to put two rookies out together. Which, you are playing two rookies together. Is Bonnerchuk not technically a rookie? I mean, he doesn't have that many games under his belt. But he's old. He's yeah. wise. He's a Jimmy Howard rookie. <laughs> yeah. Well, either way, a first-year player. We'll describe him that way. So, it's the same thing. I, I'm still not exactly sure what their reasoning is. Hopefully, Zadorov's getting as much as he needs out of San Antonio this year because he's getting his fill. Bonarchuk has played 35 career NHL games. Veteran. Uh, um, 30 of them were this season. His other five were in 2009. And <laughs> so I think him being that long ago makes him not technically a rookie. <clears throat> but, yeah. Huh. Well, 2009. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I in 2009? Wow. Um, yeah, that doesn't, you know, I, again, I've, I still have never seen the rationale behind this move. Um, and, and I still don't understand why he's playing. Yeah, we, but, can, we can leave the move in the dust, I think, at this point. The playing makes no sense. Yeah. Right. 
now I, I'm trying to, you know, he's not like that much worse than Redman. I mean, not so much so that it's like noticeable, but I, I think his upside is less than Redmond. He's he's <sighs> he's more low event than than Redmond, and I, I think that's probably what Patrick likes there. Uh, it's the Nate Gannon. Low risk. Which really means high risk. <laughs> high risk, low reward, yeah. Um, but it just, there, you know, when Redmond does Redmond things, it's just, ugh. I mean, the, some of the passes he makes to the opponents are just, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Earl needs a moment. But sometimes his teammates are ready for them. Yeah. But he can also skate the puck out of the zone once a game and maybe get a shot on goal. Yeah. So, and he's also not a small defenseman either. People forget that he's kind of a puck mover. You know, yeah. as you, you describe him, but he's six two, two ten. I mean, he's a bigger guy. I wonder if that works against him because he's not a physical guy. Right. He doesn't play like a big guy, quote unquote, should. Yeah, but he can take a hit. That's the good thing, you know. And Bonnerchuk doesn't shy from people. I mean, if there's a, a positive quality to his game, it's that. He is physically bigger than his size is. Yeah, and that and that's what everyone from uh, Columbus said when when we picked him up is that you know He'll he may look good. small, but he doesn't play small, and you know he's actually you know he's a good skater because he's Tyson uh, Berry's size. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. I think we're gonna have to live with it until something disastrous happens. So until um, we trade John Mitchell for PK Subban. <laughs> and uh before we jump to the future which will include that trade um <laughs> real quickly earl why don't you give us a quick update on what's been going on in san antonio lately well they've been on the road for a long time uh, there there is a large rodeo in san antonio for the month of february so <clears throat> that's so left. weird <laughs> yeah um, they left several weeks ago. They they played a game in Cedar Park, uh, just up the road outside of Austin. A couple games in Charlotte. Then they went to California for a while, and then this weekend they uh, they ended up in Cleveland, where a lot of the fellas uh, started their pro careers and played for quite a few years. Um, Friday night's game started off with Patrick Bordalo. Having his second fight in two years, he's itching for that. Yeah, he he he, he kind of got smoked, but the uh, he he broke the other guy's hand with his face, so that's nice. <laughs> he he, he coached him. <laughs> and then after that happened, uh, Daniel Maggio, thing two came out and started another fight right off the bat so we had two fights right off the bat and you know i mean hey. both those guys are big fan favorites in cleveland because they fought and you know that's that's part of the ahl and, and fans love that um but once that was all over the the monsters who are not our affiliate anymore and the rampage settled down for two really good games of hockey they um they ended up with <sighs> One win and one overtime loss apiece. Uh, they went to overtime on Friday night, lost four to three. Reto Berra came in for his first start of any kind since early December and played a fantastic game on Saturday night. Saved 39 out of 40. Which, speaking of trade news, that should be 
important to talk yeah. about. Because uh, Montreal need a goalie. Sharks need a goalie. Lots of people need. They have a PK Subban. It's not a shark. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Yogi looked good. Um, he might have stumbled. He might have shown some ankle weakness at one point. Uh, Dan Weiss, the play-by-play guy for the Rampage, sort of poured it, pointed out. But um, you know, I, I guess we'll see tomorrow night for a second start how that's going. But um, you know, he looked really good. He looked. Like he's, you know, a, a couple games away from being ready to come back to the NHL if that's what the Avs want. Yogi want did look good, and, and, you know, I don't know if this is going to – I don't know if there's enough time for him to show off enough that he's sound um, to get traded before the deadline. Um, me, personally, I'd rather keep him. Um, I know that's not get more out of him at the soft season. No, I'd actually like to keep him next year, too. I think I've seen you argue you'd rather have him as an AHL backup. Yeah. yeah. My, my thinking on this is that you need three guys that can win an NHL game for you and in your goalie. San Antonio doesn't have two guys down there that could do that at the moment. No. Roman Will is not NHL ready, and Spencer Martin maybe, you know, in a year or two. Right. Um. But but I, I you know I, I think the way the Avs should go this off season is if is if Reta is going to stay, then you know he should be the starter uh, down in San Antonio and Spencer Martin should back him up and you know play more than a usual backup would, yeah. um, and then they get a, a a fifth guy that can go to Fort Wayne and and you know be the first year guy and back up Pat Nagel down there. Um, expensive. I mean, you can do that if you can afford that, him. You know that's the caveat. He is even if you bury him, he's five hundred against your cap. So if they want to get rid of him and pick up, you know Peter Budai, let's say, or someone like that, sure. um, I'm fine with that. But I, I think that should be the plan: is to have a third goalie um, in San Antonio that can win you an NHL game if need be. Budai, right. yeah. Roman will. That's a name I've not heard for a very long time. He's been the starter for the the Kings AHL affiliate in Ontario. All star this year. He got a win for the Kings the other day. Yeah, he that's I think that's his first NHL game of the year. Um, wow. But he is one reason that Ontario is one of the best teams in the AHL. You know, it, we've played them twice, I think, and you know he's he's been fantastic. It's just you know it's it's a really big difference to have an experienced good uh, professional goaltender as one of your goaltenders in the AHL like that. Right, because Roman Will can't be your third guy. I mean, granted, yeah. those were very interesting circumstances that week, but yeah. the Avalanche can't be starting that type of goalie for any of the games in the NHL. No. And, it, it, you know, this goes back to several years ago when, when Calvin and Sammy were both rookies. Right. I mean, that was just – that was crazy because – you know, one of those guys was a heartbeat away from playing in an NHL game. I mean, you just, you know, you can't have a 20-year-old that's fresh out of juniors, be it Finland or the WHL, you know, being your backup and, and having to play. I mean, right. Yeah, we haven't had a veteran down there as a backup, as a third-string goalie in a long time. No. Not since, uh, shit, Cedric, right? The entertainer? Yeah. Cedric would probably be the closest thing. 
Desjardins. That's it. I was I was trying. I was there saying his name was not Delorier. Yeah, it's he's bounced around. I think he's somewhere in the AHL still. Is he? I thought he was yeah. in Europe. He, maybe he is. I I know he bounced around for uh, Syracuse with Tampa. Um, trying to think, I you know I, I if he's in the AHL, he's in the Eastern Conference. So I'd, yeah, wherever he is. Um. So are the San Antonio Rampage looking at playoffs right now? They sure aren't. Um, they've pretty much gone win-loss, win-loss, or two wins, two losses for the past month, and they're right at 500 right now. And nah, that's too bad. It is. Um, they've they, just you know like a four-game win streak from getting back into it, or not quite. It's tough to say because the way the playoffs work. First of all, the five California teams don't play as many games, so they go on percentage. So each game one for them is, you know, more points. Um, and also there's a crossover rule since there's seven teams in the Pacific Division, which we are in, and the Midwest has eight. So if our fourth team isn't as good as their fifth team, we only get three. That's tough so, to follow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the same way that the NHL divisions work. More or less, and the way it's worked all season is basically the the Midwest is is very tough, and they've been they've been very tough against the Pacific teams when they played. So, um, they're they're the final playoff spot has been the fifth in the Midwest just about all year. Um, so to, to get back in it, they you know they'd have to go something like I think at this point it's something like sixteen and six or something like that, which. You know, it's nice to think it could happen, but it won't. Um, Luckily, the Avalanche are still in a playoff run right now. That is. Um, they're looking to defend that spot this week. Starting on Wednesday, the 8 o'clock local game at home against the Sharks. Can we please stop playing at home on Wednesdays? Please. I, lo- I love this. I, I have 10 o'clock games all week. Boy, tomorrow in Bakersfield with the Rampage. Sharks and the Avs. Oh, it's just lovely. And then two more days off before Saturday. Woohoo! Head outside for the Stadium Series game against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, the alumni game, I believe, is Friday. Is that right? It yeah. is. So, has there been anything new going on on your end with the Stadium Series coverage, Ryan? Uh, not really. Actually, there's an interview session tomorrow with uh, Matt Duchesne and John Mitchell. I'm going to try to go to. Um, should be about midday, like one o'clock our time. Assuming so. Mitchell's not a have yet. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. It could be Subban in his place. So right. I'm, I'm anticipating. I don't know. With the way that Montreal season's gone, he might be on that refugee list too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ryan, do you get any media availability with the alumni? You know what? I haven't heard yet. They haven't really given uh, an interview schedule or like a media schedule for that event yet. Yeah. Uh, there's a few things going on before that game. Um, it was Adam Foote and Larry Murphy are uh, attending like this private event across the street, actually. I'm going to try to go to. Um, apparently, that's one thing I've heard of so far. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Avalanche and Red Wings in the same building. I mean, I'll manage, but. <laughs> I, I can't imagine the alumni would be too stoked to give interviews just because that's a pain in the ass and they're not getting paid, but. Right. Right. 
It's, uh, <laughs> they're there to do questions either. They're there to soak in the environment and have a good time on the ice and then enjoy the game with their families. It's going to be a bunch of Chris Farley's going, Hey, you remember that one time when you did that one thing? <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> the only time that interview works is when it's one old player talking to another, like when Chris Oddick's good interviewed, interviewed Patrick Waugh. I think it was last season. Right. That was entertaining. Yep. I think this one's foot and Murphy are going to be talking to each other. I, maybe somebody moderates it, but hopefully it's a discussion rather than having idiots call out questions the whole time. Mm-hmm. By idiots, I mean myself. So. <laughs> How did it feel that time that you got in the line brawl? Yes, that happened. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm really impressed with Patrick, though. I mean, not that I expected less, but right, he's taking this extremely seriously. And you could see he was trying, I, I think he was trying to save himself from himself mm-hmm. early on. Um, but it's just the more he's, he, the more he's skated, the more he's put on the pads and, and taken practice and whatnot. I mean, he just can't help himself but be the most competitive person on the ice. And it's just, you, you think, know. Do you think it's a motivational tool for his team? Because that's how I look at it. Yeah, I mean... If a 50-year-old guy is throwing on the pads and giving his heart out of practice, you sure as hell better be. <laughs> well, he uh, I, he did an interview with one of the Canadian broadcasts uh, over the weekend that I don't... They didn't actually like have a recording of it or anything, but I, he, maybe he just was talking to somebody, I don't know. But apparently he said that putting on the pads again has reminded him why he's retired. Yeah. <laughs> Because I guess he's wearing Varlamov's pads, and they are not light. No, and bigger pads <laughs> than he was probably wearing back then, too. Uh, oh. But it, it really does show the competitive fire. And I, I think you're right, Ryan. I think maybe that one practice when uh, Calvin was ill, mm-hmm. and he had to be the goalie in practice against the Avs. You know, I, I can see him just, you know, Aim low. come at me, bro. And meanwhile, all your skaters are like, uh, aim low, please. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not dome coach. <laughs> you don't want that. Be bag skating the rest of practice. Well, I mean, I think all of us were fantasizing about him wearing the goalie pads behind the bench as the yeah. backup <laughs> directing traffic. Yeah. I-, I would pay good money to see that. So hopefully, uh, the everything goes well on Saturday. Uh, hopefully, the fan experience is awesome. Uh, Ooh, I've, I've got one more thing actually. Uh, Greg Wyshynski, who yeah. writes for Puck Daddy, uh, we've been in contact. We're just trying to throw an after party after the alumni game. Oh yeah, an MVSW party. I've seen that on Twitter. Yeah, we're uh, getting the Winging and Motown guys together too. We're gonna try to not kill each other in our presence. So, <laughs> uh, anybody would like to attend that? I think we're gonna try to announce a location. We're just gonna go crash a bar somewhere close to Coors Field, but. I've got an idea. I just want to confirm with everybody first. You just don't know where or when yet. That should be fun. After the yeah, game, but not any more specific game. than that. Probably like 9 o'clock or so, maybe 9.30. Oh, jeez. Uh, this writer types a chance to Yeah, <laughs> an MVSW party after the stadium series game. That'll be something. Yeah, well, yeah. let's make it a good time. Actually, I've got a couple other interesting announcements in a press release. Did you guys know that the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile will be at the Stadium Series event? (laughs) 
Are they selling hey, sandwiches? Are you guys? Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Hey, you guys laugh at this. I'm dead serious about it. Now, Elliot Friedman said in his AMA today that hot dogs are not sandwiches. So I, I, he's the expert on everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's see. What else have you got in your fancy release? Doing a little fan experience thing out front where we're doing like shooting competitions and uh, you can stick your head in a goalie cutout. Oh, that's good. And, Do people uh, get to shoot at you? Ah! Looks, looks like a little more musical entertainment from no one I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. But I, I kind of walked by the stadium actually, you know, earlier this afternoon and. Uh, got banners up for both teams uh it's well advertised and i think they're blocking off the whole street like they do for baseball games and filling up with tents and stuff so should be a lot of pre-game festivities they're calling it the uh spectator plaza wow mm -hmm. spectator plaza huh should be open from 1 p.m on 1 p.m to 5 p.m on friday and it looks like 2 p.m to 6 p.m on saturday they couldn't so. come up with a better name than spectator plaza uh did someone um, trademark fan zone or something? <laughs> well, maybe it's the Volcana fan. <laughs> Sponsored by, presented by. Do you guys have uh, food trucks where you live? Is that a thing? Oh, big time. Okay, so there's going to be a McDonald's food truck. Because <laughs> that needed to happen. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> That did need to happen. That's amazing. However, however free samples <laughs> of fries and hash browns, so get on it, people. Free hash browns, Spectator eh? Plaza. We actually have like three lots in Asheville where there's um, food trucks, and they have a <clears throat> a brick-and-mortar like bathroom area, um, and they can sell booze inside the lot. Yeah. yeah, they do those out here in Denver, too. They're fun. Yeah. Which is why McDonald's should not have a food truck. It's kind of patronizing. <laughs> that's, that's so great. I've, I've gotten food from a food truck once, and that was in Denver. So I do not have a lot of food truck experience. Yeah. There is a food truck in my town. It's a taco truck, um, and I don't feel that adventurous. That's <laughs> <laughs> how you to build McDonald's up uh, immunity for Montezuma's revenge every time you need to go to Mexico or something, right? I don't think I need to go to Mexico that bad. Can McDonald's sell beer at their food food truck? I hope so. I'm trying to remember. You know I, I think they might have sold beer in McDonald's in Finland when I was there. I don't they in Germany? <laughs> I don't know they why. Have to. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I just had a revelation right now. I'm gonna have to stay sober for like the event. <laughs> why do you, Why do you think those after parties are such blowouts? Responsibility looms. It's a lot of uh, built-up tension, I think. Yeah. Man. You At never drank before I went to class fight. in college? Come on, dude. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> I had a speech class my freshman year. I don't think I was sober for a single speech. <laughs> it's, uh, you get over that social anxiety, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Eh, I can manage. Dater can do it. I can do it. Right. Oh Lord. <laughs> let's. All I have to say about that. Let's cut this off before we make any enemies. Um, anything else going on that that the people need to know about the Stadium Series game next week? 
Gosh, I have no idea. I'll, I'll keep announcing it, though. Um, I think we're going to post some articles starting tomorrow from our Purple Row friends. Uh, you know, we're reaching out to our baseball buddies. And we're using their stadium. They're using our website to publish some silly things about our hockey team. So, <laughs> entertainment. Reading entertainment. Stop by, have some fun. Yeah. While you're uh, also reading... Whatever's new with the stadium series announcements, that goes straight to your boy Ryan. Yep. Keep he's, me posting on Twitter. Yeah. He's he's got the inside scoop on stadium series stuff. Um well whatever happens with the games next week, uh, you know you can find out here. But before we get into the spiel, I need to ask you guys if we're gonna get four points this week or not. Oh man, against the sharks. Um Hell yes, we are, because there's no chance in hell we're losing the Red Wings outside, and Habs need to get angry right now. 20 games left. Got uh, two teams breathing down your neck for playoff spots. Time to start winning. I agree. Four points. Book it. Book it. Book that. As the Avs earn their four points, uh, you know you can find out what happens with that here. Um, thanks for joining us. As always, today on the Mile High Hockey Podcast, you can get the newest ABS news and updates at milehighhockey.com and the newest stadium series news and updates in the same place at milehighhockey.com. You can follow the podcast at soundcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast at midscloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast. You can rate and review and subscribe on iTunes so that the podcast can be literally brought to you by iTunes once a week as soon as I get it uploaded. Um, follow the site on Twitter at milehighhockey on facebook.com slash milehighhockey. And thanks for putting up with my background noise today. We do have a cold front coming through, and my dog is very unnerved by cold fronts, and he's been scratching his neck and flopping around and everything. So keep your head up, get to the dirty areas, and we will see you at the Stadium Series next week. Okay, pause. Um, you guys, my nose is whistling when I breathe in. Can you hear that? I can't, but it's raining. Okay. <laughs> I just put the other headphone ear on. I'm listening really <laughs> carefully. <laughs> it's this damn cedar pollen. It's like extreme today, and my nose has decided to just go when I breathe in. So hopefully it's not picking up. If you need a moment, me and Earl will talk here. We can do yeah. That. Um.